Good evening, and welcome back to the evening service stream here at Forest Heights Baptist Church. Uh, if this is your first time finding us, uh, we encourage you to find out a little bit more about us. You can check us out on our website, fhbcathens.org. You can also find us on Facebook at Forest Heights Baptist Church. Uh, before Brother Mike gets started with the message, I do want to just give you a few announcements. Uh, like I mentioned this morning, unfortunately, we are having to cancel our Family Night Supper that was originally scheduled for April uh, but we are hoping to be able to uh, schedule that once again in May. Uh, but in the meantime, just hold tight and keep your eye out for any more announcements regarding that. Uh, we are also still collecting for our Annie Armstrong Easter offering. We stu still have a few weeks to go on that. Uh, if you'd like to donate, you can send those offerings to 1155 Oaklethorpe Avenue, Athens, Georgia, 30606. Uh, again, that address is 1155 Oaklethorpe Avenue, 30606. We are unfortunately having to put a hold on collections for Operation Christmas Child, but we encourage you to keep looking. Uh, you can look on Amazon. I know Walmart's got some stuff online. Uh, keep looking through these different online vendors and see what you can find. Uh, and then once the church is back open, we do encourage you to bring any donation that you may have uh, purchased during this time. Last thing, uh, if you need any help during this time, we do encourage that you reach out to your family deacon. Uh, if you are new here, and you have any questions about the church or how you can get involved, you can send us a, mes a message on Facebook at Forest Heights Baptist Church. You can also send us an email at info at fhbcathens.org. Uh, now, before I pass this over to Brother Mike, I do want to just say a word of prayer, so if you will, bow with me. Uh, hey, God, just thank you for this day and this time we have just to come together and just dive back into your word tonight. Uh, I pray that you uh, just be with Brother Mike as he brings the message. Uh, I pray that um, you would just speak through him and that you would prepare our hearts for the message. Uh, and as all of us are going throughout our weeks, God, I just pray that you would just continue to be with us uh, through this trying time and that any concerns or requests that we have, God, that we would just lift them up to you. Uh, we love you and we praise you. And it's on your son's name that I pray. Amen. We'll be looking at uh, Esther chapter 5. And really chapter 5 and 6 uh, uh, are two chapters that go together, but there, there's so much in there that we'll just be looking at chapter 5 uh, in this message. And the title of the message is, Just Because You Can't Smell It or See It Doesn't Mean That It Isn't Cooking. You know, many times after ball practice or just playing outside, uh, it was supper time at a certain time, and I knew that I needed to be home. Well, in knowing that, I would head home. Now, as, as I headed home, I uh, didn't necessarily smell the cooking, nor had I seen it prepared, but I believed that mom had it ready, that she had prepared, that she had done the cooking. And so as I arrived, I knew that the food would be ready, and it always was. She never disappointed me. And as you can see, uh, it, uh, it has stayed with me all these years. <laughs> but there are times when we don't see God at work. And we don't feel His presence. But that doesn't mean that He's not at work. And this is what we're going to be seeing and looking at today as we look at Esther. And the situation that she's in. Because God never ceases to work, nor does he, uh, you know, grow weary from working. He's always doing the work that he has 
to do. So when we come to chapter 5 in Esther, the situation beforehand, we know that Haman has, uh, you might call him the prime minister, the right-hand man of the king, uh, has drawn up an edict uh, for the king uh, to sign or have his signet ring uh, put on there, and so he used it. And the edict involved the doing away with the Jews. Uh, not just Mordecai, who, had, who he really had a problem with, but all the Jews. And it was a family feud that had gone back, the uh, Amalekites and the, uh, the enemies of God and, and the, the uh, nation Israel. Uh, back to the time when uh, they were um, delivered from Egypt. And so um, Mordecai was the one who had raised Esther, and he had been promoted to uh, the uh, king's gate, uh, in, inside the king's gate uh, where he served. But uh, he would not bow to Haman. It, you know, it went against what he believed as a Jew. There was one God that he bowed to, one God that he honored, one God that he, he worshipped, and it wasn't Haman. And Haman did not like that. And so he got very upset with it, and that's how this, um, this uh, edict came about. This decree came about from uh, Haman. And so hey, uh, Mordecai was so disturbed over it, he was out in the streets, and he was uh, wailing and, and weeping and in sackcloth and ashes. And, of course, uh, being in that... Uh, appearance and being in that condition he could not go beyond the gates where he normally could uh, he was on the other side of the gates and uh, the uh, he he still would not bow to Haman when he came by and so um, this really upset him but here we see that uh, with this that word got back to Queen Esther and, and she found out about Mordecai and she was wondering what was going on. She did, you know, she was protected from all that news just like the king was. And, and so she sent him a change of clothes. Well, he sent it back and then he told her that she needed to uh, go in and, and take a stand for the Jewish people and for God and, and uh, God was going to use her that way and, and to uh, go before the king. Well, uh, she sent back a message saying, hey, we can't do that. Uh, because if I do that, the law says that I cannot, you know, that I might be killed. And what good am I there? And so uh, he sent back a message. And the, the scripture says, Do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. In other words, do you think that's a place to hide? They're going to find out about you sooner or later. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. In other words, hey, you you know God can move somebody, he move somebody else, move some other nation, whatever he needs to to uh, save his people. And who knows? He says whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. Just think about it, Esther. You probably are put there because God appointed you to be put there. So Esther got Mordecai's message and understood what she must do for. She said, go, 
In chapter 4, verses 15 16, Go assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night and day. Don't eat or drink. I and my maidens will also fast in the same way. And thus I will go into the king, which is not according to the law. In other words, he doesn't allow this, but I'll go. And if I perish, I perish. I'm just going to trust God. So Mordecai was told what the queen said, and he went and did as she requested. And Esther decided to stand by Mordecai, stand with him. Luther raised up his torch uh, that lit the fires of the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther, when he said, Here I stand, I can do no other. God help me. Amen. Even though they would like to have killed him, even though they'd like to have done, gotten rid of him, he decided to take a stand. And he was not the only one that took a stand. God was with him, of course. And one plus God is always a majority. And so uh, here I stand, Esther is saying. If I perish, I perish. But before carrying through with the mission, there needed to be something that happened. And so there was a time of preparation for Esther. Between chapter 4 and chapter 5, three days of silence existed. We don't know what was said during that time except that the Jews were fasting and praying. And that was the main thing, fasting and praying. That, you know, uh, how, how have we can ask the question, how have we as adults fared when it comes to teaching our children to stand for what is right? Especially when there's silence there or when they don't know or they don't hear from God. Are we teaching them that God is sovereign and in control? That He knows best. That His words help guide us in making the right decisions. Have we helped develop that sensitive spirit that Esther had, been, had developed in God and His ways? We need to be teaching our children and our parents that things don't always seem fair. And they don't always work out the way that we think might be best. But that doesn't mean that God is not aware and that He isn't at work. He is. Esther wasn't born with a sensitive conscience. And, uh, you know, with this, she had help. And that came from Mordecai in raising her. Nor was she born with a courageous spirit to stand up. But that was also developed as she had learned from Mordecai. God used Mordecai to develop help develop those things in her. And she did as Mordecai taught her to do. She trusted in him, trusted in God to guide her in the right path. Now God had been working through Mordecai and now Esther. And he also worked through the prayers and the fasting of the other Jews, those who were praying and fasting for her. This tells us that Esther wanted God's guidance with this crisis. It says, Now, it came about on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's rooms, and the king was sitting on his royal throne in the throne room 
opposite the entrance to the palace, and it happened that the king saw Esther. Now this is a touchy time. What will happen? The queen standing in the court. She obtained favor in his sight, and the king extended it to Esther. He extended his golden scepter, which was in his hand. So Esther came near and touched the top of the scepter. Then the king said to her, What is troubling you, Queen Esther? And what is your request? Even to the half of the kingdom it will be given to you. And Esther said, If it please the king, may the king and Haman come this day to the banquet that I have prepared for him. With this, seeking God's guidance meant waiting upon God's lead. Waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord sometimes means seizing from activity. But most of the time, it probably involves continuing with what we're doing for the Lord, only doing it with a real sense of God. Keeping a God mind, a God sense in our, in our hearts and our souls. And so... Esther comes before the king and says, I want revenge. No, she didn't say that. She had been given a plan. She didn't understand everything. We don't a lot of times, but she had been given a plan. You see, waiting on God means walking by faith while we continue, even though uh, we may not see what is happening what God is doing at the time. And she didn't see all that was happening, but she trusted God. She uh, took that step of, of faith, that step of obedience. When we do this, we will sense God not only working in our hearts in a special way, but we will sense a special strength and perseverance from Him that will take us through the crisis. And it is what is described in Isaiah 40, 31, that familiar verse. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles or wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Now look at those things that are mentioned there. This is what happened with Esther. Waiting. Waiting so often if we'll allow our faith to be in God causes us to exchange our weakness for His strength. We come to Him. We say, I don't understand it all, but God, I am going to take a stand. If I die, I die. That's what Esther said. Our vision often becomes clearer at that time. We will mount up with wings like an eagle. I mean, we, our perspective is a heavenly perspective. We begin to see things better. Just like with an eagle. It can see for a great distance down in the lake, fish jumping. And it will zoom down and pick up one because it has keen eyes. And this is what it means here. That we can have those heavenly focused eyes, those keen eyes. And then third, a new sense of strength occurs. All of a sudden, we'll get a second win. We are endowed with a fresh 
uh, amount of God's grace and strength and, and vision. And then fourth, our endurance deepens. We will walk and not become weary. We, we uh, deepen. We see our determination deepen and it perseveres instead of throwing in the towel like we so often do or feel like doing. This is a time when we should trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, leaning not unto our own understanding, but acknowledging Him in all of our ways, as she did, and letting Him straighten out the path. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This is when God says, I may not voice my thoughts and directions to you right now in a clear sense where you hear them and you know beyond a shadow of death this is what to do. What I want you to do is silently watch for my eyes to direct you. I don't know if you have ever directed a person with your eyes. When you didn't want to say anything and you didn't want to disrupt something and someone was sitting over there and you just kind of moved your eyes to the side, directing them to move and to do something. And, and you're directing them to uh, move in that direction. And so uh, I will instruct you, it says in Psalm 32.8, and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. There may not be a sound, but you can be assured, you can rest assured that God is at work and He is leading you if you'll allow Him to. It may be at the time He is silently directing you with His eye, but He is leading you. We need to watch and be sensitive to His leading. And let's go back to verses 1 and 2. Now it came about on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of king's palace in front of the king's rooms. Esther said, this is it. I am trusting God. I'm trusting him completely. She stepped out. She knew that if she, you know, if it meant death, then death. So be it. She walked confidently into the Lord, uh, the king's presence. Uh, she doesn't faint. She doesn't run. She stands and standing there, she stands by the grace of God. The prayer is being lifted up, fasting for her. Did she have a nervous stomach? Probably. Maybe. Was she shaking on the inside? Could, could have been. But she stood boldly, it says, before the king. God confidently. Uh, it, and, and God has, you know, as we look at this, God has not created anything or anyone that he can't handle. And we need to understand that. You know, there's a lot of people that intimidate us. Kings may intimidate other kings. Leaders may intimidate other leaders and countries. But there is not anyone in leadership row how up it is in position that God, it, they intimidate God. There's not a husband for the poor women who are intimidated with their husbands, and they can't handle them. God can. There's not a boss that cannot be taken care of. And there's not a situation at work or home or anywhere that's going to get the best of God. 
God knows exactly what's going on. Proverbs 21.1, The king's heart was like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. And he did this with the king through Esther. Now that should encourage us when we face someone that's very intimidating. Maybe someone who scares us. Maybe someone who's overbearing and rude or obnoxious and crude. It should encourage us when we have rebellious children or, or we face a crisis that, that seems catastrophic. Nothing and no one is too great for God to handle. That should encourage us during this day and time. Then the king said to Esther, What is troubling you, Queen Esther? And what is your request? Even to the half of the kingdom, it shall be given to you. He knows something must be troubling her, so he asked her to reveal it to her. And he assured her, and this is so very important, he assured her, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. And so, humanly speaking, this seemed like the perfect time for her to say, I want Haman's head. I want him on the gallows. I want you to write a, uh, another decree. He, he tricked you into this, and I want you to sign it or, or use your sigma ring, and, and you take care of it, and you take care of my people. I am a Jew. God's timing is often different from our timing. Esther didn't do that. His ways are not always our ways. And we often get in a hurry. As someone said, like in the Western, we shoot from the hip. Now, when we shoot from the hip, what do we do? We, a lot of times we'll miss a mark. The mark that God has put out there for us. We say things by shooting from the hip that we regret. We make rash and decisions and misdirected decisions that hurt us and sometimes cripple us in our, our, our mission for the Lord at the time. Esther doesn't see all that is about to happen, but something is moving her to, to, uh, to not say anything at this time. And that something is someone. It is God. Prayers are being answered. As they're being lifted up, for her, they're being answered. Her response was, and Esther said, If it please the king, may the king and Haman come this day to the banquet that I have prepared for them. What a beautiful response. I couldn't say that I would have had the same response. So often we want to react, don't we? We want to act upon our emotions instead of under the leadership of the Lord. The banquet she mentioned was not something that you just quickly bring in a caterer and it happens. It took time. Back during that day and time, it took a long time. It took a long time to prepare and to, to, uh, to cook the meal and get everything ready. She was waiting, but also pressing on with her regular activities during this time. You see, waiting on the Lord doesn't mean that we just quit what we're doing. She went ahead and did it, but she was waiting on the Lord to work all this out. She just stayed more preoccupied with the Lord. No revenge, no demanding the king get rid of Haman, no asking him to, to stop 
Haman's decree to wipe out her people. She doesn't let her emotions control her. She doesn't try to manipulate the, the king. The king thought that this was a great idea. Who allowed him to see this? God. He summoned Haman to quickly come that we may do as Esther desires, it says. So the king and Haman came to the banquet with Esther, which she had prepared. Now, Esther was now beginning to see God at work in a mighty way. Esther had become sensitive to God in his plan. Prayer and fasting helped that. For us to see God at work, we too must be sensitive to God. We must have that sensitive spirit. We must have that relationship with Him, that ongoing relationship with Him. Being sensitive to God involves obedience. It involves cleansing. It involves a continual talking and walking with the Lord. Obedience is acting in faith. That is when faith is known. Faith becomes evident through our actions, not just what we say. Faith is measured by what you do, not just what you say. A person that is insensitive, a person that who has become callous to God and his work, this type of person will not see this. This type of person will not walk in faith. We become comfortable calling our routine walk so, well, I'll say this, so often we do. We become comfortable calling our routine walk a walk of faith when it really is only a walk of sight. Our walk is no longer filled with surprises and excitement like with Esther. It has become mediocrity and boredom. All we have in is a life of empty Christian talk. A life of cliches and small talk. But this was not the life, the journey that Esther was beginning to experience. It was full of surprises and it was unpredictable. When she stepped in the king's presence, it was unpredictable. It demanded a confidence in, in the Lord. God majors in the unpredictables. Just think about it. As someone said, what about a young couple that's seeking, or a young person that's seeking a, a, a marriage partner to make a couple? It may be unexpected what God gives them. You see, He may tell them and He may have for them a life that remains single. He may have many things for them to continue to, to work and do as a single person, or at least for a while. That's where faith is required. That's where happiness in the Lord will be experienced. But it's a walk of faith. What happens about that boss that you desire to change and you won't change and you pray for that change to happen in that, that boss, but that boss doesn't change. That's the unexpected. Maybe it's because there's a change in your life that needs to occur first. What about with our children who are disobedient? Disobedience may continue. And we get frustrated and we're praying for them and we can't understand why they're not changing. And it may be that we need to be changed. We need to have more consistent discipline. 
we're inconsistent. They see this, or, or it may be that, that we may, uh, may need to uh, use a different kind of discipline. You may need to show them more love, more grace. Then there's being comfortable where you are. Wow, your job, your friends, your pay, your position. You're just happy where you are, you are, where you're living. And then the unexpected happens. God tells you to move. You're not looking for that. You're not wanting, desiring that. And then all of a sudden it comes up. Esther was comfortable within the queen's quarters. But the unexpected was to appear before the king. When she wasn't invited. She's not told the king what was troubling her. Not at, at least yet. As they drank their wine at the banquet, the king said to Esther, What is your petition? For it shall be granted to you. And that is your request. Even to half the kingdom it shall be done. So Esther replied, My petition and my request is, If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and do what I request, may the king and Haman come to the banquet which I will prepare for them. And tomorrow I will do as the king says. In Esther 5 through 8. Chapter 5, verses 5 through 8. As they were sit sitting at the banquet, the king raises uh, the question again. What's, what's the problem? And she says, I want another banquet. Wow. Some scholars have said, well, she was just scared and she backed down. But it doesn't seem that way, especially with what the king said, her husband said, whatever you want, twice, whatever you want, it's yours. I believe that she just didn't feel it was the right timing to say what she needed to say. Waiting allowed God to move more pieces on the chess table into place where they should be. It would allow for God to move the chess pieces to get the checkmate that he wanted. The movement, the next movement, was that of Haman. As, or Mordecai, excuse me, as Haman was leaving, who did he run across? Mordecai had cleaned up himself. He had moved back into his position. And Haman walked by him. And guess what? Mordecai did not bow. Haman goes home proud and arrogant and self-centered as he was, strutting around telling all that he was blessed with and everything else. But he was upset because Mordecai wouldn't bow. God is moving in a mighty way. Haman is the type of person that's a proud and self-centered person. He expects everyone to bow before him. But he was confronted with Mordecai, who was become a thorn in his flesh, who would not bow. Everybody else did, but not Mordecai. And so he goes home, he struts around, he just, you know, uh, talks about how wonderful it is and, and what uh, the king had done and what the queen had done and involved him in it and all that and how, you know, important he was and 
how uh, he did a great job and how he was recognized and all of this. But he says, Then Haman recounted to them the glory of his riches and the number of his sons and every instance where the king had magnified him and how he had promoted him above the princes and servants of the king. Haman also said, Even uh, Queen Esther, let no one but me come with the king to the banquet which she had prepared, and tomorrow also I am invited by her with the king. Haman must have gone around singing that little song that so many children learn, and they sing it in school and at other places. Oh, it's so hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't take my eyes off the mirror because I get better looking every day. That's probably what he did. Haman to the world would seem to have everything, but he lacked Mordecai's worship and his bowing to him. So people like Haman are never satisfied. They're always wanting their ego stroked. And when Mordecai didn't honor him by bowing, that made him even more furious. He wanted uh, Mordecai's worship. He wanted Mordecai's submission. He wanted Mordecai uh, to uh, do like everyone else did. Humble themselves before him. His wife and friends, uh, Haman's wife and friends, advised him to get rid of Mordecai. Then uh, Zeres, his wife, and all his friends said to him, Have a gallows 50 cubits high made, and in the morning ask the king to have Mordecai hanged on it. Then go joyfully with the king to the banquet. And the advice pleased Haman. And he had the gallows made. The picture here is uh, of the gallows is not like the Wild West gallows. A few feet high with a rope. This was 50 cubits high. Uh, overreacting, I would say. Exaggeration. 75 feet in height, as someone said. The original word here for gallows and, and the, the use there is a tree or literally a pole or stake. And the process was thrusting the pole into the body, then hanging the body on the pole. And it was an anguishing, humiliating, torturous death. You could say Haman's hatred had completely consumed him. Principles to leave with. Just some spiritual thoughts. We need to learn to wait upon the Lord. Don't try and get ahead of Him to manipulate things. God's timing is often different from our timing. Second of all, waiting does not necessarily mean ceasing from activity. It may be, but often it means continuing what we're doing for the Lord, our regular activities, but being more sensitive towards Him in what we do. Prayer, third, is necessary in God's program. We saw that with them praying, fasting. And fourth, sensitivity, obedience, and faith are, are necessary in trusting God with His plan. If we're not sensitive, then we won't be obedient. And we won't walk by faith. And that's so important in trusting God. Faith is measured by what you do and how you act, not just what you say. And then six, nothing or no one intimidates our God. That's comforting to know. 
And seven, allow God to do the changing, to do His work. Don't allow your senses to take over and you do it your way. And then eight, sometimes God works in the unexpected by desiring to change us before He works on others. Let us constantly be examining ourselves. Let's bow in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for your word, your time together with these dear saints. I pray that it'll be a time where you use your word in our hearts and our minds and our lives to encourage us, to strengthen us, to help us in our walk with, with so, so many uncertainties out there. Realizing that we have a God who is in control. He's sovereign. He can take care of everything. And help us to humbly come before you and allow you to do the work that you want to do in us and through us and not us get ahead of you. Being sensitive to your spirit and, and being sensitive to that walk with you, seeing you at work, seeing things like the eagle that we normally wouldn't ever, uh, we wouldn't otherwise see spiritually, seeing things that are going on, seeing you at work. Thank you, God, for allowing us to be a part of your program. Help us to be all that we need to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for bringing another, another great message, Brother Mike. Uh, please be sure to join us again Wednesday night at 6.30 as we'll be having a, another uh, prayer meeting web conference similar to what we did last week. Uh, we'll also be bringing another one Thursday night at 8 o'clock, so be sure to join us uh, for that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, go out, have a great week. And if there's anything that we can do, uh, please feel free to reach out to us on Facebook at forestheightsbaptistchurch.org. You can also send us an email at info at, forest, or at, info at fhbcathens.org. Thank you and have a great week.